Hello and welcome to The Story, a podcast where great stories are shared. Do you have a love for writing or listening to stories? Do you aspire to be a best-selling author? Or have you put your heart and soul into creating a story that you really wanted to have published only to have it rejected? Well, I completely understand you. I have self-published my own novel and want to share it with you all. I believe that good stories need to be shared and that every writer who has created a good story should be allowed the opportunity to share it with the world, hence this podcast. If you want to listen to a good story or if you want your story shared, you have come to the right place. You're with Julie, a self-published author of Rise of the Assault, The Beginning, which you can check out on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and I will be your host. Hello everybody. Wow, another week has gone by. 2022 is already off at a fast pace. I hope you're well and enjoying life. Welcome back for another episode of The Story. I just want to check in with you all and let you know that if you're ever stuck on anything, please feel free to reach out. I would love to hear from you. And there are multiple ways of doing that. You can DM or email me or check out the Facebook group, The Story. Please don't be a stranger. It would be great to have a community of writers, storytellers and listeners. And even if you'd just like to listen to the podcast, send me your thoughts, tips and ideas. Okay, before we do our quick recap, I would like to remind you to please rate, review and subscribe to whatever platform you download your podcasts from. I appreciate your support. So, let's do a recap on Chapter 6. Merrick and Catcher have been reunited with Merrick's family and are warned by the village elder that the Asaur may know where they are and are intent on tracking them. Ada has had a premonition of the future where one of the Asaur was able to infiltrate her mind. This is of great concern to Ada and the rest of the group as these are only newly acquired powers from the Asaur. The family are terrified and Merrick pushes them on the last few days' ride to his parents' village. Eleanor is looking forward to finally having her own home, and they are all relieved when they make it to Anja and Eichenbrook, Merrick's parents' home. Okay, let's get stuck into Chapter 7, which I'm sure you will enjoy. The family left at first light, rising with the sun, eager to set off and leave the town behind them. They'd grown to love the people that called the town their home and would have quite happily spent more time there. But something had turned its attention towards them. The best outcome for all would be to flee as far and as fast as they could. Merrick was grateful for all the help they had received and was even more thankful they had treated and cared for his family as well as they had. He shifted his position in the saddle and looked at the people he loved the most. They all had a horse to ride with an additional two pack horses to help carry all the essentials for the short trip home. Ulrich's dog trotted happily beside his master's horse, tongue lolling, excited to finally be off on another adventure. It would only take three days before they reached the valley where his parents now live, nestled under the craggy peaks of hardened rock 
that formed the last of the rising towers that made up the treacherous pass. The sun warmed them as they rode. Spring now firmly had its place in the line of seasons. A slight breeze blew, gently caressing Merrick. It was such a beautiful day, too perfect to be anxious. But no matter how nice the day was, Merrick couldn't shake his nervousness. He was on the constant lookout to spot any form of movement. Saban too was nervous. He had no idea what was hunting them, but it sounded ominous and he was keen to reach their destination as soon as possible. The sun moved and hovered when it reached its midday spot before the family decided to break for lunch. Eleanor took a drink from her water carrier. The day had started to warm up and she felt perspiration bead on her forehead. She pulled her hair back, tying it into a ponytail and glanced at her daughter. She'd been quiet ever since they had left. Eleanor frowned. Ada seemed almost despondent and had not touched the cold meat or cornbread that had been given to her. Ada! Eleanor touched her daughter's arm gently, waiting for her to respond before continuing. Ada did not turn to look at her mother. Instead, she looked at the road ahead. We keep moving. We'll get there sooner. I have to keep my mind blank. Please, mother, do not ask me anything. I can't let them know about me. I'm still not sure if they fully understood who or what I was. Paused. But I know what they are. Ada shivered at her memory of what had happened in the field. Eleanor felt a little hurt by her daughter's rebuke, but she understood her reason. It must be hard for her, she thought to herself. She took another sip of the water. The day had turned warmer than what she had anticipated, and she grabbed her shirt, soaking it with a little water, before using it to cool and wash her face. Ulrich motioned that it was time to go, and Eleanor was not surprised to see Merrick had already mounted and was scanning the horizon. He was apprehensive, and Eleanor knew he would not rest until they were safely at his parents' home. She felt a mixture of nervousness and excitement at the thought of finally meeting his family. It would be a new start to the next chapter of their lives, and hopefully, she prayed to the gods, that she could have her own home again. Merrick pushed the family at a fast pace. It was not a long journey, and he knew they could be pushed harder and be there sooner. Night had begun to fall as they settled under a copse of trees, sleeping in their furs under the stars. Merrick took turns with his son, Catcher and Sabin and taking watch. He took the longest. It was an opportunity for him to reflect and come up with ideas on how to outsmart an enemy who he suddenly realised he knew virtually nothing about. He thought he had, but now it seemed he really didn't. The assault had been a part of his life as long as he could remember. First when he was a child when a story that was usually told at night about monsters that would steal children if they ventured out after the sun had gone down. He thought it was just a way to scare children in not going out after dark. Then, as he had grown and matured, he realised they were in fact real after his father had told him about the group that he led. He'd met his father's comrades, strong and fierce-looking warriors, called the Protectors, and he had become fascinated by them. Men that were ferocious with hard, tight bodies, fit and toned by constant training. His father would leave months on end, only to return and order them to pack up their things and leave, fleeing the enemy that seemed to never give up chasing them. Merrick sighed as he stroked his beard. 
he had joined the protectors intent on taking up the same mission as his father, to rid the world of evil. How naive he once was. He had thought that with time and being a strong opponent, that could outwit them, eventually leading to their demise, before finally the Asaur would become the stuff of legends, something that he once thought they were. He thought about what Ada and the Elder had told him, about the dreaming. He was at a loss on what this actually was. He'd never heard that the assault possessed such powers. To be able to reach into someone's mind and locate them left him reeling. He had no idea on how to fight an enemy like that and realised he would need more than just manpower to fight these creatures. He would need to seek the advice of an elder who knew about the assault, one that not just had heard and knew about their existence, as most elders did, but really knew about them. As he sat deep in thought, he suddenly realised who he could seek advice from, an elder who lived not far from where his parents lived, only a day's ride. The elder was said to have lived over a hundred years, and only saw a few people a year. Merrick made a mental note on what he had to do, and he felt a little relieved that he had begun to make a plan on how to tackle the problem, and who could help. Aye, he felt Sabin's presence before he heard him. You're deep in thought. I think I can guess what it's about. Merrick heard the familiar chuckle. His friend was always in good spirits, regardless of how gloomy the situation was. Merrick smiled and nodded. You know, always know, Sabin. I don't have to tell you. He paused. For the first time in my life, Sabin, I am... He paused again. He cleared his throat. I'm a little afraid. Sabin didn't immediately respond. Instead, he chose his words carefully. Aye, I can understand. You haven't come across this before as I, far as I can tell. And well, it's a bit daunting to be fighting something you know not much about. Sabin waited for a reaction from Merrick, and when there was none, he continued. You will be in the fight of your life, and for all on this earth. But you have a good family, and Ada as well. He let out a long sigh. She is very special. And she has powers that will help ye. And I ain't gonna leave ye either. Sabin felt a rush of emotion when he finished. He had not said his feelings aloud before and realised how much this family had become his. The last few months had been challenging and there had been times when he wasn't sure on whether he had made the right decision, instead pushing it aside to focus on day-to-day -day life. He had also felt hurt when Merrick had introduced him as a friend and not family before. He realised his mistake. Was such a fool to have made her such a deal out of it, thought. Now it seemed trivial, and he was great that the man next to him had made him part of his life. Thank you, Sabin. I think I needed to hear that, Merrick said. All of a sudden, Sabin threw his head back and laughed. A big, hearty laugh. It was like a heavy cloud had been lifted, a way to release tension that had surrounded them since their chance meeting all those months ago. Merrick was perplexed for a brief moment, not sure on why his friend thought the situation was funny, but he realised that above all, they were alive and had survived what life had thrown at them, so far, and now they were bonding. Life could be bliss, and it was not long before he too joined in Sabin's laughter. The day dawned a dusky hue of red, a scattering of clouds cast streaks of grey across the sky. Merrick scowled at the heavens. 
He knew it would rain before noon and slow down their progress for home. He hastened his family as they finished the last of breakfast and stamped out the remains of a fire. If they moved fast, they could make it to the caves that were only a day's ride from home. He'd spent a great deal of time there with his father when he had first started with the protectors, learning how to fight and survive, living off the land. The caves would be a welcome shelter if the rain that he had predicted came pouring down. It was normal for this time of the year for spring rain to release a heavy deluge, flooding small creeks and gullies and giving the land a decent drink before the heat of summer soaked it all up. Ulrich tightened the girth on his bay gelding. Kenji, his dog, whined, wagging his tail, eager to be off. Ulrich stooped to give the small dog a scratch behind the ears before he swung up onto the saddle. He noticed Ada had already packed and was waiting alongside her father. She'd been reserved and quiet since her encounter during the dreaming. Katja was not far from her, and he returned Ulrich's smile as the young man urged his horse to join him. Ulrich had grown to like Katja and spent many hours teaching him their language. In turn, Katja encouraged Ulrich to use his sword every evening, time permitting they would spar, refining and strengthening their techniques. A bond had formed between the two young men, and Ulrich was glad the gods had chosen Katja for Ada. He was tall and dark, his lean, hard body rippled with muscles when he would wield his sword as his strength increased every day. Ulrich admired him and felt a degree of envy towards his new friend. Although Katja was kind to the people that were to become his family, Ulrich knew he would not hesitate to kill a man. He had come from a family of warriors. It was in his blood to be brutal. The family rode in silence as the landscape changed, giving way to densely treed forests that rose majestically, aspiring to the sky above. Eleanor breathed in the fresh spring air and let her mind drift as she began to dream of her own room inside their own home. She did not care how big it was, just something that would be theirs. She missed having a family home terribly. She wanted to feel safe and secure again, nestled inside a home that was abundant in love. She sighed, not far to go before they were at Merrick's parents' village, where they could rebuild their lives. The only thing now was that thing that had gotten inside Ada's mind, and now was trailing them. She knew they were being followed by an evil force, but now it seemed its awareness had been heightened after being drawn from a scent picked up from the depths of Ada's mind. A shiver went down Eleanor's spine. Was this ever going to end? She shuddered to think of the possibility and what the future may hold. It was best to be present and take each day with gratitude. If she thought too much, she would become overwhelmed. Merrick needed her. Her whole family needed her as much as she needed them. She straightened, making herself sit taller in the saddle as she willed herself to become an adversary to the, animal that's, to the enemy that stalked them. Eleanor knew deep down she needed courage and determination to fight regardless of the consequences. She would not let it defeat her or harm her family, or she, at the very least, would die trying. The latter was a grim thought, and she struggled to assert control over her wayward thoughts. Eleanor let out another 
loud sigh and was surprised when her son reined in beside her. Is everything okay, mother? Ulrich asked. Eleanor looked at her firstborn and noticed how much he'd grown over the winter period. His boyish looks had disappeared, his voice had deepened and his brown hair had turned to a light copper colour. His hair was pulled back into a bun, much similar to the way his father tied his. The teardrop-shaped birthmark had darkened somewhat, leaving a permanent stain on his face. It had become Ulrich's stamp of uniqueness. His chest had filled out, while his arms flecked with bulging biceps, a result from the never-ending sword practice. Ulrich was turning into a handsome young man, but his smile was still boyish and held a charm that would melt any young woman's heart. Eleanor noticed he had his sword strapped across his back, something he would not have dreamed of several months ago. His dagger was fastened to his hip, held in by the waist belt they all wore. Merrick had insisted they each carry a weapon inside their belts, including Ada. He wanted to give them an upper hand and at least have some form of protection. Eleanor reached down and gently touched her small dagger, nestled inside the leather pouch that was attached to her own waist belt. It gave her some comfort against something she barely knew anything about. Mother, Eleanor blinked as her attention returned to her son. She frowned and smiled, remembering the question he had just asked. Oh, I was just dreaming of the new home we'll build, Ulrich. He nodded slowly, not overly convinced she was telling the complete truth. I can't wait either, Mother. It will be a dream come true to finally meet Papa's parents and Kingsmen and, of course, build our new home. He returned her smile. They continued to ride together, chatting about old times and the friends and family they had left behind. Merrick decided to send Catra and Ulrich off to hunt. They were restless and it would help ease some of the tension the young men were feeling. It would also allow them to have some fresh meat. He also had been wrong about the rain that had threatened to come down earlier in the morning. The clouds had looked menacing, had started to disperse. He called them, called them to him, asking if they were keen on his offer. Both Catcher and Ulrich could not wipe the grin off their faces when they finished listening to Merrick. They were to meet up with Merrick and the girls again before the sun finished its final descent in the sky. Catcher was an experienced tracker and Merrick was confident he would be able to find them. It was important they have a fresh supply of meat every couple of days even though the elder made sure they had a good amount of food before leaving. Merrick was ever more mindful on how things could change. Ulrich was excited to be off hunting with Catcher and called for his dog Kenji to follow. It had been a while since they had hunted together and it would give them time to temporarily forget the threat that seemed ever present. They decided to search the forest that had been increasing the further north they rode. They may have more of an opportunity to spot a deer which would provide enough food for the next couple of days and allow Merrick to take some back to his home village. They slowed the horses to a walk when they entered the dark, cool forest, listening to the whistle of birds and the crunch of leaves under the horses' hooves. Sun dappled the forest floor and both were in awe of the beauty of the enormous trees that rose from the ground. They were both majestic, majestic and somewhat intimidating in size, giving out an aura of wisdom 
and a somewhat daunting presence. Catcher had heard of the forest from his village, village elder, though it was said to be magical and held many secrets that only the elders knew. One myth that had been told to him since he was a young boy explained they were former trusted servants to the gods, hence the reason they were so enormous, reaching up towards their masters, tree limbs extended as they begged to please and serve. Ulrich was fascinated by the large trunks of timber and the thick branches that reached out their leaves like leafy fingers that brushed against him when he passed. The horses also seemed to sense the spirituality of the forest as they skittered and pranced, snorting loudly. The forest thinned slightly after they had ridden for an hour, making way for a small thicket where a group of deer were grazing contentedly. Catch a motion for Ulrich to stop as he pointed towards the thicket. The deer continued to graze, oblivious to the hunters. Catcher reached for his bow. If he could get a little closer, he may be able to bring down a deer without having to chase them. He squeezed his legs into his horse's sides, urging him to move forward. He signaled Ulrich to go around the other side, staying inside the tree line. He waited until Ulrich had positioned himself, his dog following. Once they were in place, Catcher urged his mare as close as he dared. He grabbed an arrow, placing it against the string of the bow. He barely took a breath as he took aim. The large doe who was closest to him suddenly lifted her head as if something had alerted her to the danger that now surrounded them. Catcher knew this was the only chance he would get. It would not be, lo be long before she spotted them or picked up their scent and panic, running for their lives. He pulled back the arrow, taking aim before releasing it. The arrow flew across the air, whistling as it made its way towards its target. The deer finally took notice of her intuition and leapt forward, alerting the others in her group. They dashed towards the safety of the tree line, but it was too late for the large doe. The arrow had found its target, piercing her rump. She bucked as the pain coursed through her body, trying to rid the thing that would end her life. Catcher whooped as he kicked his mare, making her surge forward, racing after the fleeing deer. Ulrich had seen what had happened and joined in the chase, his dog barking with excitement. It was not long before the deer fell to her knees, succumbing to the injury she'd sustained from Catcher. She let out a feeble cry as she collapsed onto her side. Catcher was upon her in seconds, reaching for his dagger from the inside of his boot. He slit her throat, ending her misery. Catcher looked up at the gods, sending a prayer of thanks for the meat they had provided them. He asks that the deer spirit may once again be allowed to live for a time on earth, and he asks for forgiveness for the pain he had put the animal through. Well done, Catcher, panted Ulrich as he joined Catcher. Catcher grunted in agreement, a smile spread across his face. Merrick had made good progress. He would be home by the end of the next day, but he did not allow himself to relax. They still were not safe, and it would be wise for him to stay ever vigilant. As he made his way along the path, he scanned for the caves that had played a significant role in his younger life. They were never easy to find, and it had been years since he had last been in them. He reined in his stallion, trying to find something familiar. The trees had grown taller. He was sure he didn't remember them being quite so big or bushy. Damn! Sure it was around here? Hurst. He knew they were close. He'd passed the marker his father had showed him when they were almost there. 
was a pile of oddly shaped rocks placed next to an ancient oak tree, the only one that stood resolutely in the area. Merrick shaded his eyes. The sun had begun its descent long ago in the afternoon sky, and it would not be long before his son and catcher would be meeting up with them. Suddenly he caught a glimpse of the boulder. His father had moved to help guide them to the cave's mouth. It was so well placed that only a person actually looking to find it would know that it was there. Merrick felt relief wash over him as he waved for his family to follow him. The thought that their long journey would be coming to an end was a welcoming one. It had been a while since he had been able to relax and really take the time to rest. Darkness was closing. The temperature had dropped as the sun had left the sky, leaving the moon to take its place. Merrick stood at the cave's entrance. He longed for a cup of wine, but it was not worth the risk of him falling asleep. Sabin had sat with him for a while, before Eleanor called for him to come and eat. She made a light supper of root vegetables and dried meat. Merrick waited for his friend's return, knowing someone would set aside a plate for him, along with a steaming mug of tea. He looked out over the hilltop. The cave sat high, allowing a bird's eye view of the valleys below. Thick forests covered the hills, awe in spine as they graced the land they grew upon. Merrick held a quiet respect for them. They had been around since the dawn of time and were part of many family legends. The elders held them in the highest esteem, claiming them to be almost like the gods themselves. They provided wood for shelter and warmth, housed animals which they could milk, skin and eat, gave shade when the summer days became long and hot. Merrick swept his view, looking for signs of movement. He did not think they would tap they would take this long, but he trusted Catcher. He was a fine warrior and tracker. They must have made a good kill, and it's taken a little longer to get back, he thought to himself. He looked up as he heard Eleanor making her way towards him. She seated herself next to him, slipping her arm around his waist before leaning into him, breathing in his own manly scent. He always had an aura of strength and confidence. She realised how much she relied on him and how much she loved him. She vowed she would never again be separated from him. He kissed her forehead and gently pushed away the wisp of hair from her face. She looked up at him, her green eyes twinkling. Merrick returned her smile. He found her irresistible. He moved closer. Reaching forward, he kissed her fully. She responded and kissed him back. He felt her warm body lean into him, full of longing and desire. His pulse quickened as his own desire began to mount and stir. He moaned inwardly. It had been so long since they'd been intimate. Since the departure from their home life, at home, that life had consisted of the continual ritual of focusing on surviving the journey. It left them little energy to indulge in sexual behaviour. Eleanor felt Merrick's longing as he hardened against her. She pulled back, taking a breath. Her heart raced as she fought to control the rush of yearning that flooded her body. Merrick, he whispered, before he again kissed her, more passionately this time. He was fighting a losing battle against the tide of emotions as it swept over him. Mother? Papa? A familiar voice called out. Eleanor tore herself from her husband's embrace 
her face reddening from the embarrassment she felt on her son's arrival. She was thankful for the night that helped cover her shame. Merrick straightened before hastily standing and stepping away from his wife, his desire instantly dissolving. What took you so long? Merrick asked, his voice stern. Ulrich chuckled. Come and have a look, Papa. Catcher stepped out from behind Ulrich. A smile lit up his face as he swung down from his saddle. He swung the torch he'd been holding behind his horse, lighting up the stretcher they had made. It held the dead doe they killed earlier that day. Merrick let out a low whistle, impressed by the size of the deer. It would feed them not only for the next day, but would be a gift to bring to his family. The skin would be given to Catcher, the warrior who had slaughtered the animal, and in respect for what it had given them. They would use nearly all of the animal, leaving little to waste. This was a good omen. Merrick gave a silent thanks to the gods. They must be looking at him favourably to offer something like this. The doe was large for a female deer, a rarity, and she did not have a calf, which meant her death had not left a young one to starve to death. Both the men and Eleanor set about butchering the animal. They would have to dry and salt it, so it could be preserved and taken to Merrick's village. Sabin and Ada joined them, and soon the family were busy. A long night lay ahead of them as they set to work. The sun dipped, making its way to the bottom of the horizon. Another day, and soon another night. The moon would take its turn in watching over Mother Earth. The group of travellers wary but elated as they made their way over yet another hilltop. They paused before beginning their descent into the valley below, feasting their eyes on the scene before them. Welcome to my home, which now will be yours, Merrick said. As the sun cast out orange finger-like streaks across the clear sky, the family gazed upon the village that lay sprawled out beneath them. Mountains flanked the valley and were covered in the legendary forest. A lake sat between them, providing fresh water to a town that lay at its entrance. As they continued to look in awe, Eleanor felt her heart skip a beat. Finally, she could have a home again. The journey was over. They had come home. The watchman sounded a horn, alerting the townspeople. Dogs howled and barked in anticipation as the village guards went to meet the strangers that had been seen at the top of the hill. A group of men rode up to meet the family, the leader glaring at the wary group before him. Merrick reined in his stallion, holding up his hand to signal them to halt, as uncertainty hung in the air, as they felt unsure on how they would be received. Merrick quietly regarded the young man, who was in charge of the small band of men. He looked familiar, but he was sure he had never met him before. Pushing away the questions that begged to be answered, he slowly dismounted, carefully placing his sword and bow on the ground as the young man threw him a contemptuous look. The assumed leader of the group readied his bow and arrow, waiting and watching for any sudden movement. Five more men rode up, surrounding Merrick and his family. Flamer bore an uncanny resemblance to Merrick. He shared the same dark eyes and large muscular frame. Tattoos covered his arms and chest. There were now ten warriors that encircled them, ready to strike at any sudden movement. 
Twilight cast shadows as Merrick held up his hands. I guess you're wondering who I am, he asked in a loud voice. I am Merrick, former member of the Protectors, son of Igenbrook, leader of the Protectors. He looked at the young man who was still poised with his bow and who continued to stare at the strange group in front of him. They rarely had visitors, especially someone who said they were son of the chief of the village. He considered what Merrick had said. He had heard that his father had a much older son and had not seen him in many years. He also knew his parents had been eagerly awaiting his return. Flamer wrestled with the thoughts that raced through his mind. This his brother that had been so often spoken about? He looked harder. The man bore an eerie similarity to his own father and a shiver ran down his spine. It could be a possibility. He looked at the young man closer to Merrick. He too bore a resemblance. Those features were lighter and less serious looking. A beautiful young girl sat upon a small grey mare and stared back at him. She showed no trace of fear. It was as if she knew everything about him. A cool, calculating confidence that once again sent a shiver down his spine. Well, are we going to stay here all night? Because I think I feel like having some ale. You guys are way too serious. And, he paused before adding, maybe we can all have some grub to eat because I'm starving. Saban broke the stony silence. His familiar chuckle followed his brief outburst. Merrick smiled, his friend once again breaking the tension that hung like a heavy weight upon them. The young warrior stared for a brief moment at the curly, dark-haired man, before nodding and signalling them to hand their weapons to the men that waited alongside. It was only then that he too lowered his weapon and motioned them to follow him. They made their way to the village below, while the rest of the warriors took up the rear, ready for any sign of aggression or attack. People came out to see her disturb them when they were busy making dinner, casting disproving looks as they rode past. Eigenbrook heard the horn and stepped out of his stone house, looking towards the top of the hill, where his son and his group of men would watch and protect the village below. He knew Merrick was coming. Anja, his wife, had told him many weeks ago. He smiled. It had been a long time. It would be good to see his eldest son again. But he knew there was a darkness that followed them, and it would unleash a fury none of them had ever seen. Anja came out to join him. She grabbed his hand, holding it tightly. Finally, Merrick was home, and they would see their firstborn again. So I hope you enjoyed listening to the chapter of my book. Thank you all for listening. I know your time is valuable and I really appreciate it. Let me know what you thought of today's podcast and how it can be improved. Please feel free to follow me on Instagram, Jules underscore rights. That's J-U-L-S underscore rights. And DM me or email me at thestorypodcast, that's all one word, at outlook.com. I'd love to hear from you especially if you have a great story to share. I hope you have a fantastic week and see you all next week for another chapter from Rise of a Saw the Beginning. Don't forget to grab yourself a copy from Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Bye for now and see you next time on The Story, the podcast where great stories are shared.